family. Appreciate that very, very much. Job chapter 40. The book of Job chapter number 40 when Brother Ted announced his text the other night. Oh, no. And then he preached the whole book of Job. <laughs> One message. I was thinking, do you know how many weeks I've been trying to get through the book of Job? And now you've let the people know I could have preached it all in one message? Mercy. A little rough there. We're going to look at Job chapter 40 and 41 tonight. And we still have Job 42 to go next Wednesday night. Good Lord willing. And we will be done with uh, that, I think, I think it is with 28 messages. He preached the whole book of Job in one message. 28 messages anyway. Anyway, it was good though. I mean, tell you, it was good. I enjoyed it. I truly, truly enjoyed it. Very thankful that they were able to be here. Job chapter 40, did you find it? Let's stand for a moment and read the Word of God together. I'm just going to read a few verses, then if you'll leave your Bible open, we are going to look on down through chapter 40 and through chapter 41, probably not read both all of the verses and all, but make reference to different things. And if you have your Bible open, you can look as we go, and we'll try to get on through this tonight. Job chapter 40, verse 1, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind, and said. I I titled a message tonight, so you're going to challenge God? That's pretty rough. And uh, hopefully... God can make some sense out of all this. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, we're thankful we can depend upon you. And Lord, we yield ourselves even right now. Uh, We need help. We know that with with preaching this message, Lord, the guidance that only you can give, that unction that comes from on high, it's wisdom and discernment, Lord, power. Father, we just need you to help us tonight through the book of Job. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you to illuminate your word. Speak to our hearts now, Lord, and help us draw closer to you. We pray, please, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. So you're going to challenge God. When 
When I got saved, I was working in an oil field. Most all of you know that. I've talked about it throughout the years. I was a driller on an oil field drilling rig. And uh, there was a driller that worked on another shift, another tower that was, well, he was a, I don't know how to say it other than he was a big dude. I mean, he was, he was a big, stout, big, big guy. And he, he had a mouth to match. And there seemed to be something about me that just rubbed him the wrong way. Can you believe that? That I would rub anybody the wrong way? And uh, we, we worked on different shifts, but when we were rigging up the rig, setting it up or tearing it down, we all worked together. All, all crews would come in and we worked together to get that done. Uh, on one particular occasion, uh, he and I were working, we were, I can't even remember, we were rigging up, rigging down, I don't even remember exactly, but um, we were working together, and he and I had, well, we had words that day, during the work day, and uh, in the oil field, you didn't dare fight on site. If you got in a fight on site, immediate dismissal, you were out of there, your job was gone, um, and so we got fairly heated and the decision was made between he and I that we'd meet up at the end of this tower, down at the end of the rig road, off location, after work. If we were off location, uh, at that point, they didn't care what happened whatsoever. Not, did I say this dude was big? He was big. And as the day went on, work day went on, I was wondering really kind of how to survive the after-work confrontation that was supposed to take place. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, well, no doubt, I mean, it was a lot, I was a lot younger back then and, and was in better shape than I am now. I, I, hey, look, round's a shape, okay? But I wasn't as round back then. Anyway, I was in better shape uh, back then. And uh, so as we met down there at the end of the day with a few convincing words, and uh, I guess some looks from this hostile resting face. <laughs> Not really sure exactly what it was, probably the grace of God. He backed down. Yeah, that's what I was said. <laughs> I mean, I may not have said amen, but I guarantee you I was happy. I was real happy that he did back down, and we really, we ended up becoming not close friends, but friends. We were we got along after that, you know, and all I think was, man, it was close. <laughs> I was really close. I'm not sure how it all turned out. Um, really, I was a little bit crazy to ever challenge him, truly. Can you imagine, even for a second, challenging God to a fight? Come on, I know it's a little out there, but can you imagine? No, no, the God whose height exceeds the heavens and whose weight outweighs this world. He's the one that points Job to two fearsome creatures in these chapters that roamed the earth at that time. And in the supreme confidence of his omnipotence, God says to Job in so many words, he says to Job in so many words, okay, Job, let's see what you got. And if you can get past these two creatures I'm going to talk about, 
I'll be in the ring waiting for you. And we'll just see how you match up to me. I mean, Job had put some challenges out to God. Job had acted like that probably God didn't have it together the way that he should and that he could probably do a better job than God had done. But as far as him getting in the ring, if I can say it that way with God, it never got that far. Because as Job looked at these two massive creatures that nobody messed with back during this time, we're going to look at them here in a minute, and then looked up, in a sense, looked up at God towering over him, pretty much we'd have to say that Job fell to the ground in surrender. And it really was the wisest thing that Job had done since his view have, uh, since his view of God had been distorted by the bitterness in his heart. See, we have to guard our heart because if we get a wrong view of God, it can sure mess up the rest of our life. And he had gotten this distorted view of God because he had gotten bitter toward God because of the things that had gone on in his life. And what we saw last time, a couple of weeks ago, as God started his dialogue with Job, is that he, that, that God, is plenty big enough and definitely has enough wisdom to rule over Job's life. There's no problem with that. God can do that. And what he was saying was, look, Job, you can trust me. No, that's what he says to you and I today, truly. You can trust me. Well, I don't understand what's going on. It's okay. You can trust me. Well, well, I don't feel like this is going the way it should go. But it's okay because you can trust me. No, no, I mean, that's basically what he said. Come on, think about Job for a minute. All that he'd gone through, all that he lost, everything that was going on, and basically through it all, everything that happened with his so-called friends and Elihu and all that, now God finally speaks up and says, Job, look. You may not understand it all, but you can trust me. You can trust me. What he told him. So as we get into it tonight, God goes on to show Job just how really foolish it was for him to think that he could win. I mean, challenging God the way that he did. How foolish it was that, <laughs> excuse me, that Job thought that he could ever win, challenging him that way. So let's give some real thought, excuse me, to the lessons that we can learn as we look at these two chapters tonight. <clears throat> the first thing that we need to realize here, and please get this because it really is important, is that silence is not an answer that God will accept. Okay, let's read this again. Chapter 40, verse 1. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contend with the Almighty instruct him? Job, you trying to tell me what to do? He that reproveth God, well, let him answer it. Well, by that time, Job's going, uh-oh. Yeah, so here's his answer. Then Job answered the Lord and said, uh, man, behold, uh, uh, I'm vile. <laughs> and, and, and what shall I answer thee? I, I'll lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I've spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but, but I will proceed no further. See, God demands answer there in verses 1 and 2. 
um, come on, Job, give me your answer about all this. Back in chapter 38 and verse number 2, God had said that Job was darkening counsel by words without knowledge. He was darkening counsel. Think about this with me. He was darkening counsel uh, by words without knowledge. And now we, here we are, 57 questions later. Job, uh, God has all these questions for Job, 57 questions. So here we are, 57 questions later, where Job is realizing that what God had said is true. And Job had had a lot to say along the way, but he really did not know what he was talking about. He had no idea what he's talking about. So basically he says, well, I, 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 will, I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Uh, basically what he was saying after all these questions, what Job was saying in essence was, I was a bonehead. No, no, basically that's what he was saying. He said, I, I was just a bonehead and I tell you God, I'll just shut my mouth right here. You don't have to hear any more from me. I pretty much learned my lesson about this. I'm just going to hush up right here. But God was not going to accept Job's silence for an answer. I mean, no, 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 come on, come on, stay with me here, because we've got to understand this. He was not going to accept Job's silence for an answer. Well, how come, Pastor? Well, we'll get more into it. But the whole thing is, is that, that it, it, wasn't good enough for, it wasn't good enough for Job to just be quiet. Job needed an understanding of what was going on. It wasn't that he would just be compliant and say, okay, God, then I won't say anymore. No, no, no. God wanted him to understand what was going on. No, no. He, he wanted him to move on in his life with an understanding of who God is and why things were the way they were. It wasn't good enough for him just to be quiet. Job said that it had been foolish for him to talk the way that he had talked. And the mistake that Job had made was not that he had wanted answers for what was going on in his life. No, 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 no. You've got to understand this. God does not get mad at us for asking questions. He doesn't get upset with us. No, I'm sure that you've noticed that life can be very confusing at times, can't it? Mercy. I mean, over and over again. And it is at those times that we should... We should be seeking answers from God. Don't get, to thinking that you, don't get to thinking that you can't ask God questions. You can question God. I, I'm telling you, He's the one that has the answers. Where Job messed up was thinking that he could contend with God. That he was a match for God. I mean, acting as though he could correct God or, or reprove God because, he, he, because God did not run things correctly. He wasn't doing this the way that Job thought he did. No, no, no. So he had this idea that, that he could do things better. The questions that God had asked Job had done plenty to convince Job that God was very well able to run this world. I can run this world. I, I know the stars. I, I know the grains of sand. I mean, and, and when looking at the wisdom of God, which is definitely infinite, Job was definitely way, way out of his league. But there was a time that he was talking in such a way that, God, I don't like the way you've handled this. And I don't think you're being fair with me. Come on, remember those times? Truly. I mean, he was, he was like that. But it was not good enough for Job to just be quiet about the matter. Not at all. 
I read a story about a man named MacArthur that was studying the time-space relationship formulated by Einstein in his theory of relativity. And as he studied that, the text was very, very complex, of course, and, and, and being unable to really comprehend all of it, he, what he did, he just took it and he committed the pages to memory. And so when he got back into class, he was called upon uh, uh, to recite what he had learned. He, he solemnly reeled off almost word for word what the book had said about that thing. And after he did so, the instructor looked at him and and somewhat quizzically asked him, well, do you understand this theory? And this man recalled that it was a really bad moment for him. But he didn't hesitate in replying, oh, no, sir. I don't. And it was said that you could have heard a pin drop in the classroom as he braced himself and waited for an answer from the instructor. And then the professor slowly answered him and said, Neither do I, Mr. MacArthur. I mean, if you've ever read that, I would have to say, neither do I, for sure. See, Mr. MacArthur had worked to have an answer for his professor. Get this, please. To have an answer for his professor, but without understanding. It was just words. It was just an answer. What are you saying, preacher? Job had complied to what God was saying. But not with complete understanding. Okay, let, let me stop here for just a second. Because I think this is where we lose a lot of our children. Being raised up in a good Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church. I believe this is where we lose a lot of our children. Well, why do we do that? Because I said so. That's not a good answer. Well, why do we have to do that? Well, because the pastor, you heard what he said. The pastor preached that. He teaches that. That's why we do that. That's not a good answer. That is not a good answer. No, no. Compliance without understanding is not a good thing. No, 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 I understand that sometimes, no, I understand sometimes that our children just need to obey. I understand that. But just to push them into something without them having understanding about it, especially when it comes to living the way that God says out of this book, it's not good. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we have to take time to open up this book and sit down with our children and explain to them what God has to say. This isn't just about what you have to say about things. And it's certainly not about just about what the pastor has to say about things. This is about what God has to say about things. 
And the better we understand what God has to say about things, really the easier it is to comply and do those things with an understanding of God knows best for us. Somebody say amen right there. God knows best for us, and if we will comply with understanding, doing what God wants us to do, certainly we're going to be blessed because of it. But if we're just in compliance because, you know, we don't want to really take time to understand, or nobody wants to take time to help us to understand, pretty soon it's not going to mean anything. Come on, when, when a child begins to come to age and their mind really begins working and the wheels are turning and, and they don't understand why you have tried to get them to do this and try to get them to do that, it's not good enough at times because I said so. It's not good enough. And so they get to that place, and it's not about what God teaches. It's all about what mom or dad have said, or the preacher has said, or, or the Sunday school teachers, or whatever, without real understanding. And so there comes that place where, well, I'm, I'm as good as they are. I don't have to listen to them. I can make up my own mind about things. Oh, no, no, because we've left God out of it. We've left an understanding of this out of it. And I'm telling you, it's this that keeps us on the straight and narrow. It's our love for God and our love for His Word that He does know better than us and that He can teach us better than anybody else can. That's what keeps us going. And that's what's going to keep your children going. Look, Look, if we don't even have a real understanding where we can sit down with our children and explain to them what the Bible says about these things, maybe it's not our children that needs the help. Maybe it's us. Maybe we need to devote more time to understanding the Word of God. Maybe we need to devote more time spending time with Him. I mean, yielding to Him, doing what He has to say along the way so that He will help us to better be blessed because we are doing what God says. And that way we can lead our children in the path that they should take. And we can lead them with understanding about these things. Because I'm telling you, and I've said it all the time. You're here, you've been here long enough. You've heard me say it. It's not the rules. It's not the standards that are going to keep our children in church. It's the love of God. It's learning to love God. And it's hard to love somebody if every time they are asked a question, the answer they get is, because I said so. Well, our God's not like that. And so when Job just decides to clam up and he's not going to say anything, I'll just lay my hand on my mouth. I'll just shut my mouth right here, God. I'll not say anything. That was not good enough for God. It wasn't good enough that he would just give him the answer that he thought he wanted to hear. No, 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 no. Job had complied to what God was saying, but not with complete understanding. If their conversation had come to an end in verse number 5, that would have not helped Job at all. Because his prideful spirit that he had would have remained. It would have been just the same. And so what we learn from just that, those first five verses, is that God does not allow pride to go unchallenged. <clears throat> On down for the next several verses here, there was evidence of, of Job's arrogance, the things that he had said. We can go down uh, to verse number 8. 
wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Come on, this is God talking to Job. Now, who knew Job better than God? Let me go ahead and answer that. Nobody. So these questions now that he's asking Job, it's not just things he's throwing out there. He knows what Job's heart is. He knows what Job's thoughts were. And the very first part of verse 8 said, Well, thou also disannul my judgment. And so he knew, God knew that he had voided uh, God's judgment. Believing that he was better than that. Well, I would have handled this different if I was God. I wouldn't have treated me this way if I was God. Come on, I mean, that's the way that it had been. And he had condemned God's judgment and commended his own judgment uh, uh, as being more righteous than God's. The last part of verse number 8, will thou condemn me? That thou mayest be righteous. But God exposed uh, Job's limitations in all of this. Look at verse number 9. It says, hast thou, <clears throat> excuse me, hast thou an arm like God? Or canst thou thunder with a voice like Him? He said, hey Job, are you able to speak with such a commanding voice that all men must listen? Now Job would have to say, well, no. Verse number 10. Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency this is Job. i mean god talking to job and array thyself with glory and beauty so was there any way that job could exhibit the majesty and the excellency of god we can just go ahead and answer that no no up 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 where it begins here we see that that god had robed himself in a whirlwind in a whirlwind, is there anything that Job could robe himself in that would have the same effect on others as the whirlwind had had on Job? I say nay, nay. It ain't going to happen. <clears throat> would Job have ever been able to find all the proud and, and, and bring them to a low place or all the wicked and bury them in the dust? So what God did truly was belittle Job's pride. Look at verse number 14. It says, Then will I also confess unto thee that thine own right hand can save thee. What does that mean, preacher? In, in verse number 14, God states that, that I mean, if, if, if Job could do all these things, God states that when Job could do these things, that he, that God, would concede that Job was ready to occupy the throne of his own life and run his own life the way he saw fit. Job, can you do all these things? I mean, if the answer was yes, if Job said he could do all that thing, then God said, but well, I'll just concede and, you know, go ahead and just run your life the way you want to. Now, I want you to understand something here. No, no, stay with me here. Please stay with me. God's purpose in all of that was not to humiliate Job. It was to humble Job. Well, I come, preacher, because God hates pride. And when we get to feeling, look up here, please. When we get to feeling like we can handle our life better than God can handle our life, we're in trouble. 
No, no, whether we want to admit to it or not, we are in trouble. We're headed in a bad direction. I mean, we are doomed for failure. Things are not going to go well. When we get to feeling like we do not have to listen to God, like everything's going to go just fine whether we listen to God or not, we are full of ourself. We are full of pride. And I'm telling you, it's not going to end well. If Job agreed that God was indeed superior to him in all these ways, then it only made sense for Job to uh, confess that God would do a far better job of managing his life than Job could. Boy, that's a place we all need to get to. Are you listening to me? You young people, are you listening to me? I'm telling you, that's the place we all need to get to. That place where we confess openly, God can do a lot better job running my life than I can. No, no, no. If we will get that instilled in us and never depart from it, we'll do well. But when we think that we can do whatever we want to do and not have to pay the consequences and everything's going to turn out okie-dokie, just fine, we're full of pride. We are full of ourself. And it is not going to end well. I can promise you that by the authority of the Word of God. It's not going to end well. We have to agree that God is all-powerful and He's omnipotent and unpresent. We, we've, got to, we've got to agree that God can do a better life, a better job handling our life, managing our life than we can. And if we will openly confess that and then continue to believe it and operate that way, things are going to go a lot better for us. I promise you it's true. It's true. See, this world is full of arrogant people. But it's also full, full of tools that job uh, come on, that God can use to put a proud person in their place. Well, it feels real good to our ego, doesn't it? See, in the rest of these two chapters, God uh, draws Job's attention to two large creatures of which Job would never be able to defeat. And, And if Job could not handle these two creatures that God is going to put before him, whatever would make him think that he could run the entire world? Better than God could. God's not going to allow this pride to go unchallenged. Bible scholars somewhat disagree on what exactly Behemoth and Leviathan are. 
look at verse number, oh, come on, uh, 15. Behold now behemoth, which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. Lo, now his strength is in his loins, and the force of his navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. The, the sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong as pieces of brass. His bones are like bars, bars of iron. He is chief of the ways of God. He, he, he that made him can make his sword to approach unto him. So in verses 15 on through that verse through 24 of chapter 40, Job is measured against this behemoth. And verse number 15 tells us that this behemoth was created with or at the same time as man. Verse 19 says that he is the chief of the ways of God. Now get this, he is the chief of the ways of God. He has been the largest of creatures created by God. That's what it's saying. The largest of creatures. And he had some very... uh, startling characteristics as we go on down through this. We, it, it, he was an omnivore. He ate grass. We, we, we read that. Um, he eateth grass as an ox, this huge beast. And he has massive strength. It talks about that in verse number 16. And, and, and he's invincible according to verses 17 through 19. Nothing can whip him. And uh, he had not fear of man nor beast. You can read that in verses 21 through 24. We'll not take time. So this is a creature that goes where it wants to go and does what it wants to do and everything else leaves it alone. I mean, it's that big. God created it so. It's a super beast. This is a beast that could squash Job's self-inflated ego right out of him. No, no, this is God wanting Job to compare himself to this. And then in chapter number 41, look at verse number 1 there. It says, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? Or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? So, Leviathan, look up here. Leviathan was a seemingly huge serpent or sea monster, if you will. And the description that we have here is consistent with the description that we find elsewhere. And it's described, he is described as a ferocious sea creature that struck terror in the hearts of the the mariners, the the sailors that were out there. And no one was able to capture this creature. No one was able to control him whatsoever. And uh, I love it. God has a sense of humor. I, I, I love it. See, they dared not try to catch it like a fish or Snare it like some other beast. We read that in verse number one. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? You're going to catch it like a fish? You're going to snare it like some other beast? And they weren't about to try to uh, domesticate it. <laughs> to make a pet out of it. 
Oh, preacher, what are you talking about? Look at verse 2. No, this is good. Look at verse 2. Can thou put a hook into his nose? Or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will, Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Will thou take him for a servant forever? Well, come on, come on. Surely you can see some humor in this. Verse 5. Wilt thou play with him as with a bird? Or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? God's got a sense of humor. Never doubt it. And then he goes on to tell Job, says, whoever... Whoever, be, whoever would be brave enough to lay a hand on him better be ready for a fight. Well, verse number 8. Lay thine hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. I mean, just the sight of him, just the sight of him instilled dread in the hearts of men. Verse number 9. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even at the sight of him? So this is a ferocious looking beast who was just as ferocious as he looked. So we got Behemoth, 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 however you want to say that. The largest beast that God ever created, according to God, according to the Word of God. And then we have Leviathan, this, this ferocious looking sea monster that nobody wanted anything to do with. Oh, come on, we could go on and look down through there. Verse number 14, his mouth was filled with rows of deadly teeth. Verse number 15 through 17, he was covered with this army-like scales that nothing could penetrate. Verses 18 through 21. Well, look at verse number 18 there. It says, by his kneesings, by his kneesings, a light does shine, and his eyes are like eyelids in the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of, of fire leap out. So he breathed fire. And it's, it says, by his kneesings, what's kneesings? It's a sneeze. No, that's what it's talking about. It, it's a sneeze. And it says, by his sneeze, a light does shine. But you don't want to be in front of him when he sneezes. Could be a bad thing. Yeah. And he's this fearless creature that struck fear into others. And we could read on down through 22, but, but look on down to verse number 34, the last verse there. It says, he beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Now, are you getting to feel like God's trying to make a point to Job? Measuring Job against God. Because see, all of creation points to the greatness and the power of God. And if Job could not prevail against God's creatures, what in the world made him think that he could rise up in pride, stay with me here a couple more minutes, rise up in pride and contend against the God who made the creatures? in continually pointing out God's greatness. Creation itself provides a constant reminder of our 
smallness. And Job had dared to challenge God on the way he exercised justice in this world. And he had arrogantly supposed that he could do a better job of restraining evil and upholding goodness than God had done. But, if Job could not restrain Behemoth, and if Job could not control Leviathan, what in the world made him think he could run this world? Now that's the point that God is trying to make to this man Job. And really the bottom line of it all, Brother Walt, is Job was foolish to challenge God. Come on, look up here. And so are we. Very foolish to challenge God. I'll do whatever I want. That's foolish. No, no, no. Because when you say that and take on that attitude, really what you are doing at that point is challenging God. It's just foolish. And it's prideful. And really, instead of responding to God with pride when life takes a turn we don't understand, we really need to respond with patience and waiting on God. Because no matter what God allows into our lives, we have to learn to patiently trust His plan. Especially, come on, Say with me, especially when it makes no sense to us. We have to learn to trust Him that much more. <clears throat> now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. Proverbs 16.5 says this, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Look up here. I want you to look up here. Everyone that is proud in heart, the Bible says, is an abomination to the Lord. And shall not go unpunished. If we take the Word of God seriously, that really should make us sit up and think. On down in that same chapter, verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, in closing, really, we know that God detests pride. Now, hold it. No, no, I want you to think for just a minute. Think with me. Don't quit before I do. Why do you think that is? That God detests pride so bad? That God hates pride so much? Think about it for just a second. Just a second. I won't take long. Think about it. Just a second. <clears throat> 
Could it be? Could it be because pride makes us think that we can do things our own on our own better than God's way? I mean, could it be at least one of the reasons that God hates pride the way that He does? Because pride will make us think that we can do things better on our own than doing things God's way? But also, we saw there in verse 18 that pride invites, get this, get this, excuse me, pride invites destruction. Destruction. Pride goeth before destruction. So, 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 so pride invites destruction. Now, why do you think that is? Come on, let the wheels turn a little bit. Why does pride invite destruction? Why do you think that is? Are you going to tell us, preacher? I'm going to give you my idea, but I want you to think about it for just a second. Come on, think about it. Why does pride invite destruction? Could it be possibly because we lose our dependence upon God, our Creator? And broad is the way of destruction. And narrow is the way of life. Come on, those verses aren't talking about salvation. Narrow is that way of abundant life that God offers us. And when we get prideful, we begin to lose our dependence upon God. And in, in a sense, or in essence at that point, we're challenging God. I can handle my life better than God. I don't have to listen to that Bible stuff and all that. I can... Handle my life better than God. So you're going to challenge God? Better think twice. There's people all across this land that have had that thought. And their lives have ended in destruction. I could tell you many a story, and I'm not going to bore you because I said I was going to quit, and I'm going to quit. But anytime you get to thinking that you can run your life, handle your life better than God can handle your life, you're just full of yourself. You're full of pride, and it's not going to end well. God, our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, just wants us to listen to Him 
the one that created us because he knows how to run our life much better than we do. Don't challenge God. Do everything you can to follow him as he leads us by his word. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for how you work to try to direct us in all that we do. And we can be stubborn. I know I can speak for myself. And we can think at times that we know better, even that you do, but that's just foolish. It's foolish. And Father, in those circumstances where we don't know exactly what's going on, why it's going on, how you're trying to lead us, when we try to come up with answers that are not answers that you give, well, it's just never going to be a good thing. I've witnessed it too many times in my life and in the life of others. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us take this instruction that you've given tonight. I pray, dear God, if we've already got ideas of how we want our life to be that are contradictory to the way that you would have our life to be, that we would repent. Even tonight, repent of that. And yield ourselves to what you have for us and the way that you have for us. And I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts tonight, but I pray, dear God, if you did, and there needs to be something that goes on, something that happens, a decision needs to be made, I pray they would humble themselves, they would drop that pride and make some decisions tonight, Lord, that could change the course of their life for the better. Thank you for being a God that cares, and cares enough to give us the, uh, the book of Job so that we might learn without having to go through it. 